or if you're able to stand where there's Ephesians chapter 2 and begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, blessed be, I'm in chapter 1, excuse me, let's go to chapter 2. Y'all don't want to get another sermon of Sunday. Amen. I thought, man, that sure did sound familiar, didn't it? Let's start in the right chapter, chapter 2. I knew hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, and the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father Lord as we bow in your presence tonight as we come to the throne of grace and mercy. We do come in Jesus' name, and we ask you now these next few moments to uh, give us liberty. God, I pray that you'd touch us and help us to preach with power. We don't want to preach, to uh, Lord, to uh, elevate the flesh or draw attention to the flesh in any way, but God, I pray that you'd be pleased with our worship. Thank you for every testimony, for every song that's been sung tonight. Lord, we want to glorify your name, for you are God, and beside you there is none other. We ask you now to move in a mighty way, and we'll love you we'll praise you and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to look with me in verse number 10 where the Bible makes this statement here. He said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And when you think about tonight, uh, Paul is dealing with the church. He's emphasizing uh, the church in the book of Ephesus or book of Ephesians here. Uh, he talked about in the early uh, verses of chapter number one, he talked about why he was excited to still be a part of the church. And then he closed the chapter out by praying for the church and offering up prayers uh, uh, for the church. But when you come to this chapter here, uh, Paul begins to deal with the past and the present and the future state of we as Christians tonight. But more so, he deals with that of the church because when you get to verse number 10, he said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, that word created simply means uh, uh, to bring something out of nothing, amen? man. Uh, you see, you and I could invent some things tonight, but we cannot create something. We cannot take nothing and make something out of it. But you know as well as I do that in Genesis chapter number one, we believe the Bible tonight and we know uh, uh, that God stepped out on nothing and he spoke everything into existence. Amen. And then Adam sinned in the garden and Adam fell in the garden and sin. Uh, my friend came upon Adam and upon us tonight, uh, uh, but God still, we went down to nothing because of sin, but God still tonight is taking a bunch of nothings and bringing something out of it, amen? 
but God can make something out of nothing. That's who you and I are tonight. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse number five, without me, you can do nothing. Amen? The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, by myself, he said, I know nothing. And then in 1 Timothy chapter number six, the Bible says that it is certain that we brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out. Amen? We can do nothing, we have nothing, and we know nothing apart from God. But God knows how to take a bunch of nothings tonight and he makes something out of it and that something is called the church. Amen? I want to say tonight, I'm thankful for the church, aren't you? I'm glad on a Wednesday night uh, uh, when it's raining outside and dark outside, I'm glad I still got a place to go. Amen? I'd rather be here tonight, Brother Laddie, as to be at the house watching the Braves lose. Amen? I'd rather be here tonight uh, as to be sitting there sipping on some coffee or eating some soup. Uh, I'd rather be down with the people of God uh, around the word of God uh, uh, worshiping God. Amen? And when you come to this chapter here, uh, uh, Paul is going to deal with some things uh, uh, concerning the church. Uh, and also it is true about our life. Uh, uh, but I want us to think about the church. Uh, I mean, that's what he emphasized in chapter one. It's what he's gonna emphasize throughout the rest of this book. Uh, so we wanna emphasize it in these verses tonight. And the first thing that Paul talks about uh, concerning the church uh, is our past, amen? You see that, that word workman? I forgot to tell you this and so I'm gonna tell you now. I left my notes at the house but it's gonna be all right. Uh, uh, but you know that word workman, uh, uh, workmanship, uh, it's also a picture tonight uh, of a trophy. It's a picture tonight of a masterpiece. Uh, and when I think about the church tonight and when I think about our lives, uh, uh, that's how God views us. Uh, we know that we're nothing but God took our nothing and he made something out of it. He made the church uh, and we are going to be his masterpiece. Amen? You see, whenever an artist goes uh, and he begins to, uh, begins to paint a painting uh, on that canvas, you know what happens? Uh, he begins to take that paint and that brush uh, and he begins to stroke it across that canvas uh, and as you and I look at it, you know what? It looks like a whole bunch of nothing. Isn't that right? I mean, he's throwing colors this way and he's throwing colors that way and he's making objects that look like nothing. But when he's done and when everything has come together and when the final brush stroke has been added, you know what he has? He has a masterpiece, amen? I'm telling you, the church don't look like much to this world. And my friend, if we be honest, we know we're not much. But listen, the final brush stroke has not been laid yet. But on the canvas of life, God takes a nothing here and he takes a nothing there and he takes a nothing here. But one of these days, the last one's gonna get in. The last soul's gonna walk down that aisle and gonna get born in the family of God. And the bride of Christ is gonna be made and she's gonna be complete and God will have his masterpiece, amen. And so he deals with this masterpiece in this text and he deals with our past in the first three verses here. Notice he says in verse number one that we were dead, amen. He said, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now listen, we weren't just dead, but the Bible says here in verse number one that we were dead in trespasses and sins. I wanna tell you that word quicken is the same word uh, uh, that would be used uh, 
for the resurrection of our Savior. And so the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave is the same power that resurrected you and I the day we got saved. Amen. But we were dead, wasn't we? Amen. We were dead in trespasses and sins. That word trespass means to cross the line. It means to, to fall to the side. That word sin means to miss the mark. That's how dead we were. We had missed the mark of God. We had fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, we had crossed the, we had trespassed against God's law, against God's covenant, and we were dead as the result of that. You see, there's three types of death. There's a physical death. And my friend, that's a, that's a separation from this body, amen? There's a spiritual death, that's separation from God. And then there's eternal death, and that's separation from the presence of God and total and eternal uh, uh, banishment from God's presence. Uh, and so there is the spiritual, the physical, and the eternal death. When Adam sinned in the garden, every part of Adam died, amen? When he sinned, uh, uh, listen, his spirit died uh, immediately, and the Lord went out. That Shekinah glory left him. His soul died Aggressively, it began to, it was darkened and the light went out and his mind began to become corrupt. Amen. And then his body died eventually because, listen, eventually Adam died and we're going to die if we live long enough. But I want to tell you when a man gets saved, you know what happens? His spirit is justified immediately. His soul is sanctified progressively. And one of these days, these bodies are going to be glorified ultimately. Amen. For what the first Adam lost, uh, the last Adam purchased it all back. Uh, I'm glad the Bible says here uh, that we were dead, amen? It doesn't say we are dead. It says that in the past since, uh, we were dead, uh, but thank God we've been quickened. Uh, we've been made alive uh, in Jesus Christ, amen? And so we were dead uh, and we were disobedient. He said, we're in time past you walk according to the course of this world. That word course means age. Uh, it means time period according to the prince of the power of the air that's the devil the spirit that now worketh notice this in the children of disobedience I'm going to tell you before we knew God we were dead and we were disobedient you know, you may be here tonight and say, Brother Gravely, I never drank and smoked and I never lived a wild life and I never, I don't have that kind of testimony. I've been in church all my life and, and, and I don't have the testimony of somebody that's lived out there in sin. Well, number one, thank God, amen. And then I would say number two, you were every bit as dead as what they were. You was every bit as disobedient as what they were. You might have been raised in church. Uh, you was just a religious sinner, but you're still a wretched sinner, amen? Because you're still dead and you're disobedient. And so we see that, that we were dead. We were disobedient against the word and the law of God. And then notice in verse number three, we were depraved. Uh, the Bible says, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know, that's what sinners do tonight. They fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We should never look at a sinner and say and be critical of how they're living. We don't have to agree with how they're living. We ought to not justify how they're living. But we ought to never look at them and say something so crazy as, well, I just don't understand why they live the way they live. They live that way because they're blind. They're lost. 
And had it not been for the mercy and grace of God, there's no telling where I'd be at tonight. There's no telling what I'd be doing, amen. I mean, I wouldn't even want to fathom uh, the avenues of life that, that sin would have took me down and that would have took you down. Uh, you say, but Brother Gravely, I was raised in church. Uh, I'm gonna tell you some of the vilest people you'll ever meet was raised in church. Uh, uh, but as soon as they got old enough, they went another way and they got out there. They disobeyed God. They went a different path. Uh, I want you to know tonight uh, uh, that every man is depraved. Uh, religion cannot do what salvation salvation can do. And my friend, our past says uh, that we're all depraved beings uh, and that we need God's grace. We need God's salvation. Man's goodness at his best uh, is just filthy rags in the eyes of God. I'm telling you, I know it's Wednesday night, but if you're here tonight and you're lost uh, and you're, cl- you're, listen, you're clinging to church membership, you're clinging to water baptism, you're clinging to being a good person, I want you to know my friend uh, uh, that it will not stand on judgment day. Uh, uh, that my friend, the best that you and I would have to offer could never be enough to cleanse us in the sight of a thrice holy God. I mean, listen, apart from God's salvation, we are without hope and without God in this world, amen. We're depraved is what we are. We're disobedient, we're dead, we're depraved. And then I see we're doomed. Notice what the Bible said in verse three, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. By nature, we were a child of wrath. You say, Brother Gravely, I didn't get, I'm not no devil worshiper, and I believe that. But I'm gonna tell you when that little old baby comes up and that baby's born, you don't have to teach that baby to do wrong. You have to teach it to do right. You don't have to teach it to sin. You have to teach it not to sin. Now, why is that? Why is it when a little baby grows up, why does it not have the desire to just do right? I'm gonna tell you why. It's not its nature. It's got a fallen nature, just like you and I. And listen, even though you and I are saved, guess what? It's a whole lot easier to do wrong than it is to do right. Isn't that the truth? And after all these years of being saved, if you and I are not careful, we can do the, we can still do the same things after we got saved that we did before we got saved. You know why? Because we still got that old Adamic nature, amen? We were by nature a child of wrath, even as others. I'm telling you what that does in verse number three. It puts every man, woman, boy, and girl on the same ground level. It lets us all know outside the grace and mercy of God, that was our past. We were dead. We were depraved. We were disobedient obedient, we were doomed. That was the common denominator in all of our life. That's who we are and who or who we was before we got saved. He talks about our past, but then look at verse number four. He talks about our pardon, amen? And then looking at our pardon, I want you to see the means of our pardon, those first two words, but God. I'm telling you, it's a pretty dark picture in verse one, two, and three, isn't it? doomed, depraved, darkened, uh, dead who we were. We didn't have no hope uh, but God, amen. Uh, I wanna tell you that's the means of our pardon. Uh, our pardon goes back to him. Uh, I like that old song Brother James Rowland used to sing. Uh, uh, Jesus signed my pardon, this I surely know. Uh, uh, pay for my sins at Calvary. Uh, listen, I wanna say thank God tonight. The only reason you and I are going to heaven is because of God, amen. For God so loved the world. Uh, 
that he gave his only begotten son. I want to tell you, God took the initiative in salvation. It was God that reached down when you and I could not reach up. It was God that condescended and came to a sin-cursed world. I'm telling you, when you wasn't looking for him, he was looking for you. Amen. I want to say tonight, God, as the songwriter said, when I could not come to where he was, he was already coming to me. Amen. I want to say tonight, the means of our pardon is God. And then there's the magnitude of our pardon. But God, notice this next phrase here, who is rich? Hallelujah. I'm glad the God we serve is rich. You know, I don't have no rich relatives down here. Maybe you do. But I'll tell you, I'm kin to somebody who's rich. I'm in a family that's rich tonight. I'll tell you, we were rich in sin. We were rich, my friend. Uh, uh, listen, in wickedness, uh, that's who we were. Uh, uh, sin abounded in our life. Uh, but the Bible said in the book of Romans, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. God is more richer, amen. Uh, uh, the songwriter said the blood uh, went deeper than the stains I have gone. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, when it looked like there was no hope. Uh, I'm glad that the God we serve tonight, uh, he's big enough uh, and he's rich enough and to save the vilest of sinners. There's not just enough salvation for a few. There's not just enough salvation for an elect, amen? Somebody say amen right there. But I'm telling you, it's a whosoever will gospel. Anybody that wants to be saved can be saved. You don't have to go to hell, even on a Wednesday night in 2021. I wanna tell you the reservoir of grace and the reservoir of salvation. It's not, we've not even tapped in real good. God's still you got plenty tonight, hallelujah. I wanna say the magnitude of our pardon is that God is rich, amen, and then the mercy of our pardon. You say, what's he rich in, preacher? He's rich in mercy. I'm glad he's rich in mercy because I needed it when I got out of bed this morning. I'm glad he's rich in mercy because it's what's gonna see me through the day. I'm glad he's rich in mercy because I don't know what I'm gonna face tomorrow, but I know that God is merciful. I wanna say tonight, the magnitude, the mercy of our pardon. God is rich in mercy. What about the motive of our pardon? Why would God show mercy to somebody like me and you? Look at verse number four. For his great love wherewith he loved us. If you know why God saved you, there's only one explanation. We couldn't offer him nothing. We couldn't do nothing for him. In fact, we had hurt him. We had cursed him. We'd done everything wrong. He should have let us all die and went to hell and he had still been God. But why would he give us son? And why would the son give us life? I'll tell you why. Why would the spirit come? For God loved us, amen. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I'm glad he loves me like I was his only child. I'm glad he loved me when I didn't love him. I'm glad his love goes deeper, amen, than my sins and my past. The motive, my friend, of this pardon is that he loves us tonight, hallelujah. I'm glad he loves me. I'm glad he loves you tonight. The motive of it. And then I see here the message and the miracle. The miracle is that he quickened us together. We were dead in sins in verse five, but he quickened us together with Christ. And the message, here's the message. It's in parentheses. By grace, you're saved. Amen. Somebody, well, you know the choir, I've got every song in the world running through my mind right now for some reason. We sing that song sometimes. I know how I made it. 
I made it by grace. That's the only way you can make it, is by grace. We don't have anything to boast in tonight. It doesn't matter. Listen, some have been saved just a few months. Some have been saved a few years. Some have been saved for decades. I'll tell you the same grace of God that saved somebody today is the same grace of God that has walked with you all these years. It is amazing grace. How sweet the sound and saving old wretch like you and me. I'm glad that God, my friend, has grace. And the message that the world needs to hear is that my friend, our part in tonight. It is by grace. Amen. That means it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. The Lord will save you tonight. He talks about our past. He talks about our pardon. He talks about our prosperity in verse number six and seven. He talks about the resurrection as he hath raised us up together. He talks about the reservation. He made us sit together in heavenly places, our Redeemer in Christ Jesus and more riches that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. You think about that tonight. We've already experienced some riches of his grace. But when we get to heaven, you know what God's gonna do? He's just gonna turn another page in the chapter of the grace of God. Listen, don't ever worry about God running out of grace tonight. I'm gonna tell you why. There's grace that we won't know anything about till we get to eternity. He's gonna show more grace. I I don't know if that encourages you tonight, but it makes me wanna shout, amen, that God is not done when we leave this life at showing grace to us. He wants to show more grace on the other side. That's what James said, but he giveth more grace. I'm glad that he gives more grace. And tonight our prosperity is in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. I wanna tell you, listen, we might have been a beggar, we might have been wretched, and we might have been, listen, tonight, a poor, and needy before we met Jesus Christ but in him we have everything tonight we've got the riches of eternity we've got the riches of salvation we've got the riches of his word the riches of his promise we've got the riches of his person we got the riches of mercy we got the riches of his love we got the riches of his grace hey we're as rich tonight as a king God has been good to us what we're prospering tonight in the Lord Jesus Christ amen Oh, you hear me? We would be such a fool to get out of the will of God and go back to the world because the world profits you nothing tonight. Do you think about how rich you are in God serving him and being saved? He talks about our prosperity. He talks about our position in verse eight and nine. I'm glad the church has a position tonight. And the source of it again, Paul can't quit talking about it. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. The source of our salvation is grace and faith tonight. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's God's grace and it's the measure of faith that God gives to every man that when he takes that measure of faith and he trusts the word of God and puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that grace and mercy is extended and salvation is brought to his soul tonight. I wanna say that's the source of our faith. And then there's a subtraction of our position tonight, the source of it and the subtraction. Look what he said, and that not of yourself. We need to be reminded of that tonight. It's not of ourself. Self-sufficiency is killing the average church nowadays. We have to lean and trust the grace of God. 
I'm gonna tell you, if grace of God was good enough the day that we got saved, you know it's good enough for whatever we face in life. And he reminds us that salvation is not of ourselves. We can't boast in anything tonight. It's not anything that we have done. I've seen people, and you have too. That's what religion will do. It'll build you up. It'll make you feel good about yourself. Christianity won't do that. Christianity will show us who we really are, make us feel, have a low opinion of ourselves, but it'll point us to the Savior and make us have a high opinion of who he is. That's genuine salvation, friend, is when we see ourselves for who we are and we see Christ for who he is and we put him on the throne of our heart and our life the subtraction in this verse is that salvation is not in myself tonight you cannot do enough to be saved and then the simplicity of our position it is the gift of God the source is grace by grace through faith the subtraction is it's not of yourself the simplicity is it's just a gift tonight I want you to look at me for just one moment. Somebody may be sitting here and you may be up and down, in and out about your salvation. You may be doubting. You may be somebody that struggles a lot. You're gonna struggle until you come to the realization that salvation is a gift tonight. And do you know what? I've had people, and you have too, I've had people give me gifts that I barely knew. I mean, just somebody, maybe God put something on their heart and they wanna give you something. Or maybe you meet somebody and they feel impressed to, to give you something. I'm not talking about anything elaborate. But they give you something. And you know what? You, when that gift is presented to you, you got a choice. You either reach out and take it or you say, no, I don't want that. Do you know that's the way it is being saved? Too many times, you say, well, preacher, what about this and what about that? Dismiss all the what ifs in life. I'm going to tell you tonight, if the Holy Ghost knocks on your heart, and says, you need to be saved, then you can be saved. Lady came to me one day, probably used the illustration here before, but she came here, came to the altar one day. She said, I don't know if, I, if I've, I may have crossed the deadline. What if I've crossed the deadline and God won't save me? What, what if he doesn't speak to me no more? I said, do you want to be saved? She said, I do. I said, you've not crossed the deadline. Amen. Because a reprobate, it doesn't have a God conscience. When you cross that deadline, listen, you can, you can pump the scripture to them all day long. You can witness to them all day long. Then you know what they'll do with that truth? The Bible says they'll take that truth and turn it into a lie. Amen? I watched a man do that one day. A man talked to him about sodomy in Romans chapter number one. He said, that's not sodomy, it's idolatry. He took the very truth and turned it into a lie and he believed it to be that with the very truth stared him in the face. Yeah, face, you can't, you can't help somebody like that. But if you want to be saved, you don't have to struggle with that. You don't have to, you don't, listen, I believe you got to be under conviction, but when you get under conviction, you're going to know that. I mean, God's going to deal with your heart. You're going to be concerned about your soul. You're going to want to be saved and the light's going to be turned on and you're gonna know that you need to be saved. You say, what I do, preacher, when I get like that? You just step out and you come to the Savior and you say, Lord, I want your salvation. And then you believe him, you take him at his word. You just trust him, that's what it is. It's my faith. You know I know I'm saved? Because I believe the Bible, amen? And I believe the Son and I believe the blood and I know I needed him and I just took him as he was. I couldn't save myself, I couldn't help myself but the gift was there brother laddie and I reached out and took it hallelujah and guess what it worked for me it'll work for you it's just simple to be saved God is not the author of confusion if there's any confusion on our end it's always us and the devil 
God deals in absolutes. He don't play mind games, does he? I want to say not only our position, but I want you to notice one last thing, verse number 10. I want you to see our purpose. Can I ask you a question tonight? And the answer is going to be in verse 10. But think about this question for a moment. Apart from God's love, why would God put a church together? What's the purpose in taking all of us from different walks of life and bringing us together and bringing us into one place as one people? And Paul deals with that later on throughout this chapter here. What's the purpose in all that? He said in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Can I tell you something about good works tonight? Good works does not produce faith. But faith produces good works. Amen. You can work and work and work and you'll never get saved working. But if you ever get saved, guess what? There'll be some good works come out of your life. That's why we make the statement often, if there's anything good in me, it's God. Isn't that right? Or God did it. Isn't that right? Because we know that in me dwelleth no good thing. But because of Calvary, because of salvation, God puts the church together. We're his masterpiece. Can you imagine if we was all together tonight and lost, we'd never been saved? Could you imagine all of us being in one room together and all of us lost and never been to Calvary, never been saved? Can you imagine how that would go tonight? I'm going to tell you how it would go. We wouldn't have anything really. Uh, we wouldn't have no, no, no connection. Uh, listen, we'd all be lost, uh, but we wouldn't have no love for each other. We wouldn't care if we ever saw each other again. Uh, there wouldn't be anything drawing us together. But I'll tell you, after you get born in the family of God, good evidence of salvation is this. We know that we pass from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, you can see somebody from the other side of the world. You can meet them and have a 15-minute conversation. And guess what? If they're saved and you're saved, you know what? You've got something to talk about. Amen? You've got something to share together. I mean, you come from two different sides of the world and you don't really even know each other, but there's a kindred spirit. Amen? You know what that is? That's a Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm telling you, when you get born again, you will love the church. You'll love the people of God because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You'll even love people from Mississippi when you get saved. Amen. And Louisiana, it takes salvation to do that. Isn't it amazing how that we love each other? How many of you tonight, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can say a good hearty amen. You love your church. And when we say we love the church, we don't mean we love the sheetrock. We don't mean we love the chandeliers. We don't love the parking lot. No, that stuff doesn't matter. We love the people that's here. We love each other. I worry about people that's always, you know, that's what goats do. They're always butting their head against something. They're always mad about something in the church or somebody in the church. You know why? Because they've never been saved. I tell you, when you get saved, life comes on the inside and you connect with, the, with that word and you connect with the people of God. That's how you can know if you're saved tonight. Do you connect? Do you love the church? I'm gonna tell you. When we had 30 days of quarantine last April, I mean, that, that was about the most miserable time. Probably was the most miserable time in my Christian life. And I know many of you can testify the same. I never missed church like that, have you? Never missed church like that. Sitting at the house, 
Sunday roll around. I mean, we'd listen to preaching. We'd, we would, we'd read our Bibles. But it wasn't the same. Wednesday night roll around, 7 o'clock. Think, well, church is fixing to start. Choir's fixing to sing. Fixing to have preaching. 8 o'clock, we're fixing to dismiss. Have it, take up the, the, the offer. I mean, just you relive it all just through the whole thing, didn't you? And I'll be honest with you, on Sundays, when we wasn't having church them days, I couldn't bring myself to, to just, which you couldn't go to town anyway, could you? But I mean, I couldn't hook a bass boat up and go to the lake. I'm afraid God would sink that thing right in the middle and drown me out there. Isn't that right? There's no way I'd go wet a hook on Sunday. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. Or go deer hunting. Deer hunt six days a week. But I mean, you listen, you'd have to smoke three bags of marijuana to even think about hunting on Sunday if you're saved. I knew a man that went hunting on Sunday. He got up in a, he got up in a tree in a deer stand and that deer stand broke and he fell out of it and broke his leg. And he had the army crawl back to the truck. But later he testified about it. He testified often about it in church. He said, and every time I did this and did that, he said the Lord would speak to me and said this wouldn't have happened if you'd have been in Sunday school. All the way back to the truck. This wouldn't have happened if you'd have been in church. I don't know how I got off on that, but I'm glad I did. I know you're thrilled about it. But you know, I know how it was. Those 30 days, man, that was miserable. I mean, there is no substitute for the house of God. And I'm going to tell you what was even worse than that, coming down here trying to preach to a big empty building. You know how many times I preached one sermon, Brother Caleb was here and Brother Brian was here. Sometimes I'd have to, I'd get started and I'd say, I'll cut that off. And I'd preach it and then I'd, you know, you don't get to redo it in church. But it's, it's hard to look at empty pews. What about some of these crazy people? They was taking in, uh, portraits and putting it, taping it on the back of the pew. I mean, you lost your mind. I ain't wouldn't do something that crazy. Preach. I mean, if I, I mean, you know, if they, but that's what they do. And I went through those, and we all went through them, not just me, but we all went through it. And I thought to myself, man, I'd be glad when this is over with. Let's go back to church. You know, that just tells us this. Outside the home tonight, the church is the best, is the most treasurable, tangible thing that we have in our life. God instituted the home. And then he instituted the church. And I thank God for a place to come to tonight. I know sometimes on Wednesday nights you come home from work, you're wore out, you're tired in body. But I'm glad you came on. And more importantly, the Lord is. You honored him with your presence. And he'll honor your life with that tonight as we stand. God's masterpiece. She may not look like much tonight to this world. But thank God for the church. One of these days, she's going to be a glorious church, the Bible says. Not having spot nor wrinkle. All the problems, all the issues, all the tr troubles, they're all going to, the judgment seat's going to iron it all out. Thank God for the church.